And let us uh, open with a word of prayer for the morning message. Lord, we bless you this morning. We thank you, living God, for your grace, for your love and your mercy and your truth. God, we thank you for what you're doing, Lord, in this place. This is a holy place of learning, but it's a place of sending and it's a place of mission. So we ask this morning that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word, to your Holy Spirit, to follow you, to hear from you today. Speak to us, Lord. The words of the historic colic for purity. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open and all desires known, from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. It is uh, it's a great privilege to be here with you this morning and to be able to share. I'm honored that uh, Jessica has graciously asked me to come and to preach. And uh, I'm a movie guy, so I'm going to open with a quote from a movie. How, how many of y'all like movies? Have any of you all seen Shanghai Noon with Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson? It's a great movie if you've not seen it. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of a Wild West theme, and Jackie Chan comes from China, and there's a scene where he's, he's doing his karate stuff. You know, it's classic Jackie Chan, and Owen Wilson, you know, his blonde hair, he's watching, he's like, oh my gosh. And there's this great one-liner, which is kind of the theme of my life, where Owen Wilson looks at him, and he's got these big eyes, and he says, I don't know karate, but I know crazy. And that um, sums up the theme of my life and the journey of faith and the call to mission. Um, and so this morning, I want to talk to you about joining in God's mission. And essentially, joining in God's mission, many times uh, through the eyes of the world or through the eyes of the flesh, looks a little crazy. Can I get an amen on that? Has God ever called you to do something that was crazy and out of the box and well, he sure has always done that to me. 20 years ago, um, when I was in college, I spent a summer in Peru, traveling throughout um, Peru, and I had a good, uh, just a very close friend whose father was the national overseer for a uh, denomination in, in the country, and we spent time in the Andes Mountains, the Amazon jungle. Um, it was just really such a life-changing event for me, and um, I lost a lot of weight while I was there, and you know, I didn't do too well with... Um, I drank the water my first um, couple days there, which is, you just don't do that on the beginning of a mission trip. And but I was preparing to preach one night, um, and the Lord spoke to me. It wasn't an audible voice. I'm not one of those people that, that hears the audible voice from the Lord, but it was a very clear word from the Lord. And, and God said, you are going to train ministers and missionaries from around the world. And so I remember thinking, well, that's crazy. And you'll hear that again a couple times uh, here in the next few minutes. I'm going to share the first part of the sermon, a little bit of my story. And so from there, I came back and felt like the Lord wanted me to go to seminary because I was going to train uh, ministers and be involved uh, with encouraging training um, pastors from around the world. And so graduated seminary, pastored a little small church, and had a friend from college give me a call um, saying, hey, have you ever heard of the Outer Banks? You need to come here and start a church. I'd never heard of church planting. 
I am kind of what I call an accidental church planner to begin with. And uh, he began to share about the Outer Banks. I, you know, I was from Tennessee, didn't even know there was an ocean in North Carolina. That's how geographically challenged I was. And we visited there, and um, I remember thinking, that's crazy. Why would I go plant a church on an island in the middle of nowhere on the coast of North Carolina? And, well, never say never. And, uh, you know, when you, when you think God is doing something that's crazy, it's probably God is up to something. And sure enough, we ended up moving to the Outer Banks. We planted the church there. We were there for 10 years, and which was an amazing journey of faith in and of itself. Um, but out of that, the Lord kind of said, you're not just going to plant one church, but you're going to be involved with planting dozens of churches. So here I was in the middle of nowhere on an island, and the Lord began to just open up um, just a, an amazing platform. And I say that humbly. Church planners began to come from all over to learn what we were doing. Um, we weren't doing anything that dynamic or, you know, stupendous or, you know, crazy numbers, but we just got involved with planning multiple churches, and we helped launch a network in North Carolina for North Carolina to reach North Carolina. It was originally called Plan and See, and um, it grew to over 40 churches in four years and merged with another group in South Carolina that became Mission Carolinas, and, um, which was an amazing experience. And so part of this journey of faith, we ended up getting involved with the Anglican Church, and um, started um, connecting and helping to plan Anglican churches. And so part of my journey for the last probably six to seven years has been planting interdenominational churches across the United States, speaking at different conferences in different countries, training ministers. And about three years ago, I was in Germany speaking um, to a delegation of church planners from 20-something different nations on planting churches in the 21st century. And the Lord reminded me of what he had spoken to me in Peru. I'd forgotten about that word because I'd gotten so entrenched with planting a church. And the Lord reminded me that you were going to be involved with training pastors and missionaries from around the world. And here I was in Germany, reminded of that. Bring it up to the last few months. Here I was speaking at a conference, and a member of the search committee for the um, church planning team was at this conference. And shared with me kind of the amazing things that were going on at Asbury and said, you know, would this even be something you were interested in? I remember saying to this individual, that's crazy. And, uh, you know, leaving the islands, you know, to, the, to, to move to Kentucky. And we moved in January. My family and I moved in January. So we went from the sand to the snow um, just in time. But we heard the vision of what God was doing um, here at Asbury, with this global perspective to be a part of training church planners domestically and around the world. And it was so crazy. I had to say, God, this must be you. And as we began to pray, the Lord began to open the doors and said all of that to say this. Um, God has a plan for all of us. And joining in God's mission this morning, many times will take us to surprising places and will take us to places that we never dreamed of or never thought we would be. And God many times calls us to do things that, quote, seem crazy, right? And so this morning, the gospel reading that we have from this morning, Jesus invites us into God's mission. And that's what I want us to explore for the next few moments this morning, is that God has a plan for every one of our lives, and that God is calling all of us, women and men, 
regardless of our age, gender, background, God is calling all of us to join in his mission. Mission is why we exist. The late theologian Emil Brunner once said that the church exists by mission just as fire exists by burning. That God has called us to be on mission as a church. And so when we look at many of the churches throughout the world who have gotten stuck and who are no longer growing or are in plateau or decline, there's something that happens over time in the life of churches. When they get their eyes off of God's mission, they begin to move from mission to maintenance. And there's things that happen um, through that process that I call mission drift. Sometimes when we just slowly get our eyes off of the Lord, we drift away from his mission and his original purpose his original calling. So I want to remind us this morning that we are here not just to study theology, um, not just to maybe faculty, not just to teach, but we are all here to be and to join in God's mission to save souls and to make disciples of the nations. Can I get an amen? The missiologist Christopher Wright said that mission belongs to God. Mission is not ours, but mission is God's. Mission was not made for the church, but the church was made for mission, God's mission. And so God invites us. Jesus, from the gospel reading this morning, invites us to join in God's mission. So regardless of your calling, maybe it's church planning. Some of you, I hope it is. Maybe there's some of you... Uh, You were like me when I was in seminary. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just had this general call. And um, so maybe it will be church planning. Maybe we'll be interacting in the next few months and weeks and the coming years. But whether it's to be called to be an educator, to be a pastor, to be a youth pastor, to be a worship leader, whatever your calling is, we're all called to join in God's mission and to join Jesus in that. God doesn't just save us to uh, stand alone as a silo and kind of live our lives in some ivory tower somewhere, but God calls us to actually join in what he is doing. And that is exciting. And it's humbling, and it's the adventure of faith. And so many times when we step out in faith to follow God, uh, as I said, the the theme of my life has kind of been that, that Owen Wilson quote. You know, he's sitting there watching all these amazing things happen saying, I don't know karate, but I know crazy. And so to translate that into the eyes of faith and with the scriptural terminology is faith. God is calling us to step out in faith and to follow him. And so there's five marks of mission I want to share with you this morning. When we look at Jesus' invitation to join in on what he is doing um, in the Gospels and to join in what Jesus is doing today in our time, in the 21st century, what God is doing here and around the world. So five marks of mission I want to share with you from Matthew's gospel. The first one is it begins with seeing the needs that are all around us. In other words, mission begins with seeing with the eyes of Jesus. Many times we look out at the world and the people around us through the eyes of the flesh Part of being Christians is to step back and to ask the Lord, God, what are you doing? Not just over there, but what are you doing here? What are you doing in my home? What are you doing in my neighborhood? What are you doing in the community in which you have called me to live here and now? 
And so God is calling us, and this is what Jesus does. He gets out, and what we see here in this text is Jesus gets out into the cities, and he gets out into the towns, and in the, the scriptures actually says he goes out into all of the cities and the villages, and he sees um, what is happening in people's lives, and he has compassion on them. And so the mission flows from him seeing the need that is out there. And so this morning, if we're going to join in Jesus' missions, we have to see with the eyes of faith. We have to step back and to look around once again. And what happens is many times, if we're not careful, where some of you, you're here, you're studying, and you're getting overwhelmed with all the knowledge and all of the learning, and we could pour so much into our minds that we lose sight of the vision to actually see what the needs are that are actually here. One of my favorite lessons and stories is uh, Mother Teresa, when uh, she was asked one day, Mother Teresa, who are the poor? Who are the poorest of the poor in the world, and how can we go and serve them? And she said, the poorest of the poor, they're not in India, but the poorest of the poor, this was a talk that she gave, I believe, in New York City. She said, they're your own family. They're your neighbors. Perhaps the poorest of the poor are those who are in your own homes that are poor in spirit. I want to encourage us this morning that mission isn't what we're going to do when we finish seminary, but mission starts now. And that mission begins in our hearts and our homes, and it begins with seeing through the eyes of Jesus. What is Jesus wanting to do all around us right now? What is, what is God doing now? That is what God going to do. Because one of the things that I learned um, over my limited experience over the last 15, 20 years of following the Lord, I came to faith at the age of 19. I had was radical conversion experiences. But one of the things that I have learned over the years is it's not what we're going to do, but what we do now for the Lord will determine and will affect what we will end up doing for Him then. And Jesus' ministry wasn't so much what Jesus was going to, to do, but the great stories in the Gospels was the stuff that Jesus did on the way to the cross. And it was on the road to Calvary. It was walking with his disciples. Many times, isn't that the way it was with the disciples? They're on the way somewhere, and they're, they're so busy, and they're going somewhere, and Jesus says, hey, hold on one second. I need to go over here, and there's a woman at the well. And some of the greatest stories in the Gospels is what Jesus does in his willingness to see the needs on his way to go do the big stuff, the important stuff. If you're like me, I love doing the big stuff. It's always about the next big thing. But many times we, we miss what God is doing right in front of our eyes. It's so number one, my encouragement, my challenge to every one of us this morning is to see with the eyes of Jesus. Many times our circumstances cloud our eyes, the eyes of faith. I was reminded of this yesterday in a, just a wonderful conversation I had with a, one of the faculty here sitting in, a, in her office that I was reminded that God did a lot of things to get us here now that we are here in Kentucky, what is God doing now? What are all the little miracles? What are all the little things that God is doing all around us? 
So I want to encourage you this morning, before I move to the next point, is to see through the eyes of faith. And I think it's very telling that Jesus says, but when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. So we have to see before we can have compassion, which leads to the next point. His mission is being moved with compassion. In other words, feeling with the heart of Jesus. I think one of the great blessings of of the tradition that Asbury stands is, is the heart strangely warmed, that we're reminded that our hearts, we are called to feel, not just to think, but to feel. God has created us as holistic beings with, with the mind, with the heart, with the hands. And we've got to feel deeply with the compassion of Jesus. So when we look at him, when we see the needs that are really all around us, then we can feel with the heart of Jesus. We can be touched with the things that touch the heart of God. Mission is feeling and experiencing and have compassion. It's not enough to uh, sympathize or to feel sorry, but we have to enter into the pain. And that's what Jesus did. The, The very concept of the incarnation is that here God sends his son who the transcendent God sends his son Jesus to become imminent and to walk with us and to talk with us and to enter into the world of sin and pain and suffering and death. And Jesus enters into our world through the incarnation. And so we, in the same way, are called to incarnate, to enter into the world in which God has called us to be on mission in. God's not just called us to do something. God has called us to be transformed by reaching out with his love. And there's something that happens with experiencing the compassion of Christ, that we are transformed deeply. Mission, in other words, is formed in the heart that is broken for the things that break the heart of God. The founder of World Vision said, Lord, May my heart break for the things that break your heart. It's a prayer that I would have for us this morning, that we would feel with the heart and the compassion of Jesus. Remember, mission's not what we're going to do, but mission begins now, and it's formed in the heart of compassion. And then thirdly, what we see is Jesus had compassion on them. And here's this great kind of classic red-letter, one-liner Um, that we quote many times, but kind of looking at the full context, it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest to send out labors into the harvest. That mission is nurtured in prayer. That we are called to pray for mission. Isn't that interesting that We have the Lord's Prayer, which gives us some insight into what Jesus kind of lays out as a model for um, how we should shape our prayer lives. But this is one of the few glimpses in the Scriptures where Jesus actually gives us content of how to pray and what to pray for. It may be one of the few, I'm not a New Testament scholar, but this may be one of the few instances in Scriptures where Jesus actually says, pray to the Lord of harvest that he might send labors. So prayer, mission rather, is nurtured in the heart of prayer. 
That the third thing is that we pray with the passion of Jesus, that to have compassion flows into prayer for others and to pray for the harvest. And so as a church planter, one who's involved with church planting, I pray daily for church planters around the world as we identify places, nations, and countries, and cities. We pray for where the needs are. We pray for our brothers and sisters who are suffering persecution around the world and throughout the Middle East and in places like Sudan. That our compassion leads us to prayer. And so mission is birthed in prayer. If you want God to send you out on mission, then get on your knees and begin to pray to the Lord of Harvest that God would send out laborers. Is that a part of your prayer life, regularly to pray that the Lord would send out people? One of the practices that I adopted years ago is as I drive through cities and communities, as I uh, you know, learn needs, I'll write those down. But one of the things that I've learned is to pray in that moment. So don't pray later. Don't say, hey, I'll pray for you. I'm going to pray for you now. And many times as I'm driving through places, I'll see the needs in those communities, and I will pause and I will pray right there and right then. How many of y'all know that there are needs in Wilmore? There are needs here. And God can use us now and here, and we need to pray for those that God has called us to minister to. So here's the fourth thing. God invites us into his mission. Jesus gives us this great prayer where he says, he says, hey, pray for the Lord of harvest that he would send out labors. Verse 1 of chapter 10, Jesus actually sends out the disciples. He says he calls the 12, he brings them unto himself, the disciples, and he gives them power over unclean spirits to cast out um, and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. And so in other words, I want to focus on one thing, is that Jesus gives us authority for mission. In other words, we go, we are called to go out into the power of Jesus. He hasn't just called us to go on mission. It's not just a calling, but God actually equips us to do what he's called us to do. And so in other words, God gives us power for mission. He sends his Holy Spirit. And we see this in the book of Acts. We see this on the day of Pentecost, that the Spirit descends upon the church. And what does the church do? They don't just stay gathered. They don't just throw a tea party. But they go out in mission. And they're accused of being drunk, too, which is an interest. That's a, that's a whole sermon in and of itself, isn't it? When they, when they go out in the streets and start proclaiming, they have joy and proclamation. And God, in the same way, Jesus sends us out on mission in the power of his Holy Spirit. Jesus prayed on his knees to the Father. The early church in the book of Acts, they got on their knees and they prayed in an upper room and then they were sent out in power. And my encouragement to every one of us this morning is that we would seek the power, that we would seek the Holy Spirit fresh and anew in our day, that I think many times one of the reasons why we never truly feel released or we don't really reach out in mission to even our neighbors and those around us is because we are not 
praying and bending our knee to receive God's Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you today, and this is an encouragement to me as well, is we need God's power. We need the Holy Spirit to come and to strengthen us. And one of the things that we see in, in, in this text, these are all interrelated. These aren't separate silos. It's not like you pray over here and um, you, you see a need and then, um, then maybe the Holy Spirit's going to come in at some point or maybe at some point in your time when you graduate or walk a stage, maybe then God's going to confer you with the Holy Spirit. No. As we pray, as we see the needs, God transforms us. God does a deep work, a profound transformation in our heart and our lives. God wants us to experience his heart. And God wants us to go out in his power, to be his hands and his feet. There's a great closing prayer that um, we closed every Sunday at Church of the Outer Banks where we would say, Lord, we have sat at your feet, we have heard your word, we have fed at your table, Send us out to be your hands and feet and to proclaim your gospel to the world in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God wants to send us out with his power and his blessing. I want to remind us of the blessing. It's not something we have to earn. Grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit is the free gift that the Father wants to give to his children. So let us seek his power and his authority for mission. Let us go in the power of Pentecost for mission. Now here's, here's my fifth point. Jesus doesn't send us out alone, but he sends us out together on mission. Together on mission. In other words, we are called together to join Jesus in his mission in the world, to, to be the church that is on mission, doing what Jesus is doing, joining in what God is already doing, and that we join hands together. There's no lone rangers in the kingdom of God, but God has called us to be together. There's an old African proverb that says, if you want to get somewhere fast, walk by yourself. But really, we need to walk together. God calls us to walk together. Jesus sends his disciples, what? Out two by two. He doesn't send us out by ourselves. He sends us out in community. I think one of the great blessings that we have whether faculty, staff, or students, that we are called to be a part of a community of faith, to be formed together. And one of the things that I would love to see us do in the coming weeks, months, years, is to be engaged here, locally, regionally, domestically, internationally, globally, that we go out into all of the world proclaiming Jesus, but we do it together. And that's one of the things that is so intriguing about Asbury Seminary. This is a community of faith on mission. John Wesley once famously said, if your heart is as my heart, then take my hand. 
And one of the vibrant hallmarks of the Western Revival was this idea of doing mission together, of discipleship, of the, of the small groups, the bands, the societies, that it was a, a missional movement of people that were connected together, deeply connected in faith. And so I want to encourage you this morning that we go out together in faith to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. That in the same way on the day of Pentecost as those early believers, they earnestly prayed, they gathered together, they prayed, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and then they were sent out in mission. There was something that changed in their hearts and their lives and they went out as different women and men to serve God and to reach out. And the amazing thing, I know there are books written on sociological aspects of the growth of the early church, and and if we're not careful, we can downplay the miraculous presence and power of the Holy Spirit and the role that prayer played in the explosive growth of the early church. And one of the things that Roland Allen talks about in the spontaneous growth of the church is the power of the Holy Spirit that we need it. But the gathering together, there's a dynamic that happens when we come together in prayer, in community, and on mission. We begin to see people come to faith. We begin to see new communities formed. And Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, what is church planning all about? It's about forming new faith communities and the power of the Holy Spirit through proclaiming Christ. And in essence, it's about joining God in his mission and what he is already doing all around the world. So when we trace the origins of the word mission, it comes from the word misa, which there's an old Latin phrase as an Anglican. This is one of those, it's one of those things we know. At the end of the old Latin mass, the priest would say, ita misa est, which means go, you are sent. The benediction at the end of a traditional service is that you are sent out on mission. Go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. Jesus said it this way in closing in John chapter 20, verse 21. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Go. You are sent. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much this morning for the word of the Lord and for your calling to serve and to join with you in your mission. Jesus, you are moving around the world in unbelievable ways among so many continents and people groups. And God, we just humbly pray that, God, you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us a heart to feel, prayers to pray, and that, God, you would fill us with your Holy Spirit to go. And as we go, Lord, I pray that we will go together that you will teach us deeply how much we need one another, how much we need our brothers and sisters that are on the other side of the world, how much we need our brothers and sisters here in this faith community. So in the words of Jesus, we 
ask, Lord, that you would send us out in mission. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.